I have the awesome opportunity today to introduce my two favorite people in the whole world, of course. Um, they are the founders of Faith Builders Church, and they have launched Beloit, Wisconsin in 1989. We were talking about that in a little town hall. If you've gone through the Welcome Home class, you've heard the history of the church. And uh, then they sent out my brother to Milwaukee, and they launched this church, and we are honored to have them in the house. So if you could welcome Bishop and Pastor Gloria Pruitt this morning. I can hear my dad. Girl, give me that mic. I want to preach. Love you. Are they not the best looking couple you've ever seen? I mean, come on with their Fonzie leather and all that stuff. Well, good morning. How's the greatest church in Phoenix? Woo! I'm not, I'm not biased. I'm not. You know, God has been so good to this house. Amen. We get to hear you guys on Facebook, etc. And God is really doing an amazing work here. And even though all the seats aren't filled, they will be. Say they will be. They will be. They will be, yes. But it's good to be back at the home church and see all of you and get all the good hugs. But there's a, there's a special guy back there somewhere. His name is Ed Fowler. I've known him since I was 24 years young. And that was like, what, five years ago? Five, five years ago. <laughs> and it's good to see him and get my hugs from him. And all the hugs and the new faces is just great. And I was thinking about what you said um, to my daughter said about the journals. She had more journals as a child. And you know what's so great about them is you pour out your heart, like she said, into your journals and watch God expand. Watch God do miracle signs and wonders in what you're believing for. And I'll just say this because it's bad to give me a mic, but you know, <laughs> I liked what Pastor Paul said because it was in my heart too. You know, there's so much darkness upon the earth today. But I'll tell you something, God is in the lightness. And God wants to shine through you. And just like he said, you know, God wants to do something creative through you. So the greatest thing that you can do, and I will end, is say this. Win somebody to Jesus Christ. Bring somebody to church. You know, that's been the greatest privilege I've had since I was 24 years old. I heard witness to somebody. And you know, you can do it in just a way where you just say, you know what? Uh, listen to people and you'll hear what they need. Say, you know what? God brought me through that. Can I pray for you? I do this at the laundry. I, mean, I don't at the laundromat now. It was years ago. I do it at grocery stores. I do it in the lines where I'm at. But let, me, let me pray for you. Can I? Yeah, you can pray for me. And bring them to church. Let's see the house filled. Amen. Well, God bless you. Love you. Here's Bishop. Thank you. Oh, it's always dangerous to give mics to Pruitts. But anyway, praise the Lord. Good to see you. You know, uh, I just want to say a couple of things. First of all, Barb, you're probably still preaching out of those uh, manuals you wrote when you were a kid. I think you are. But uh, she's a great, great minister of the gospel, and uh, we're very proud of uh, both of our kids, uh, but especially her, because she's done this thing alone, and it's amazing how God has anointed her to do this. And uh, I remember back several years ago when I says, uh, I'm, we're going to do some things, my wife and I, so I got to turn the church over. And I looked at her, and I says, I think she can do this thing. And I asked her, and she went, oh, my gosh. I, but you could see that we knew that she could. So we're very excited about that. So hallelujah. Amen? Amen. And after Pastor Paul's incredible prophetic word there, and after my wife sharing about the gospel, you know what? I don't even need to say anything anymore. I could, I'm just kind of done, you know. It's just whatever. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But uh, I do want to mention my good friend that I haven't seen for many, many years, uh, Ed Fowler. Ed, I appreciate you, brother. He's, uh, he's just a, a great man of God. He's been stable, solid for, well, I've known him since 1975, so we're talking 48 years. I remember when I started a little Bible study in my home. I modeled it after a Bible study he had in his home because I admired him so much. And uh, I started a little Bible study in our home, and God blessed it and blessed it and blessed it. It was just a remarkable thing. Uh, and I became very familiar with my surroundings. You always do. But then one day, he had a great class called the Charismatic Class, and that was in our Assembly of God Church. And back in those days, you had to be, you were from the other side of the tracks, kind of, you know. 
You can have your charismatic class, but you can have it over here somewhere. We don't really want to see it in the church that much. But anyway, so we started this little class, and next thing you know, he's got, I don't know how many are in there, 150, I don't know, 200 people maybe. It was just a huge class, and it was just an amazing class. We would go to get filled up with the Spirit and learn about the gifts and, you know, the confession of our faith and all those wonderful things. And uh, we were just having a good time. Then one day he said to me, hey, I'm going to be gone Sunday. Would you mind taking the class? And I just looked around and said, are you sure you're talking to me? I don't. But he gave me the honor and the privilege of speaking at that class that morning. And I'll be honest with you, from that day forward, the rest is history. But he also opened up a little Baptist church to me one night, said, come and preach at this little Baptist church. And we did. We brought, I think the whole charismatic class showed up. But we had a wonderful time that night, and the power of God broke out. And I'll always, always be grateful and thankful for men of God who give other little men of God opportunities to be something in the kingdom. And that's what this really church has always been about, equipping you to do something for God. And so we're not, we're not selfish people. We're not hoggish people. Uh, we don't hog the pulpit. We don't, actually, my daughter, I kind of hogged the pulpit when I was there. But she don't hog the pulpit at all. She just shares it. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing in the body of Christ to see that happen. But uh, there are men and women of God that have allowed others to step under their umbrella to be blessed and so they can become a blessing themselves. And so that's what this is all about. To see Pastor Paul flourishing uh, in his gift and talents is just amazing to me. And so I'm just, uh, just a blessed man to be here today, and I appreciate the opportunity. Hallelujah. And having said that, God bless you all. They already give. Paul said number two. Now, that could mean a couple of things, but I know what he means. Hallelujah. I'm going to say this because, you know, it's it's amazing, but I I just put a little note in my pocket so I can remind myself how much it was, and I'll put it back in there for right now. But, you know, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's, I just because I, I, I'm going to brag on Jesus a little bit. I've been doing this gospel thing for a long, long time. And I plan on doing it for a lot, lot longer. When I can no longer do it, then I'm done and I'm going home to be with the Lord. But for right now, I'm still doing it. So I appreciate that. And we've always been givers, always. The church has never, ever gone without my tithe, ever under any circumstances. Uh, I went through some very serious times with Jimmy Carter as president. I don't know if you all remember that or not. Some of you might. But the country was just about going down the tubes, literally. And uh, nobody was working. No money was flowing. And, you know, my wife, we looked at each other and said, let's give some more. Let's just give above and beyond. So we regarded giving above and beyond, and God just did miracle after miracle after miracle. I've been doing this a long time, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread, just like my Incredible brother, David King, you know, the King guy in the Bible. He said those words, and I agree with those words, that, uh, you know, we cannot give the Lord. And I don't want to ever see the church really suffer under anything, you know. And this church, I can say to you without a doubt, there's no fancy big vehicles and fancy homes and all of this fancy stuff that some of these guys are, you know, calling it the blessing of the Lord. None of that goes on here. It never has. We've always walked in the blessing of the Lord. He's always been, you know, giving us whatever we needed and above and beyond what we could ever imagine. So don't let the church suffer because you're going through a difficult season. In fact, the more you go through a difficult season, that's just a trying time for you to do better and better and better. Thank you for those two claps. I appreciate that very much. We just recognize the only two tithers in the church. Hallelujah. But, but anyway... <laughs> no, I'm serious. You guys are giving. We appreciate that. But seriously, I just, out of my heart, I want, I just want to share with you before I get into what God really told me to tell you today. You're going to be amazed. So I just, uh, I just want, want to say that to you. It's very important that you don't let the church be crippled underneath the weight of any kind of burden because it is his church that he is building. And I don't want to stand before the Lord. I won't stand there for my sin. Thank God Jesus nailed it to the cross. But I will stand there for things I did and did not do. And so I want to make sure that I do the right thing. I have increased our giving. I'm not even sure my wife even knows this, but she doesn't care because she, she's the biggest giver I know. But we have increased our, we've always given 10%. We've always jumped to 20%. 
We've always done that. Always. It's just like a normal thing for us to do. And uh, the older I get, I said, well, maybe I should hang on to some of this. I'm not getting any younger. Can I, you know, Lord, what should I do? Stow it away like a little squirrel, and maybe someday I'll have use for it. I just feel led of the Lord to talk like this. Is this okay? I just feel like it's the Holy Spirit, okay? Because some of you have just like, oh, what tough times we're in. Yeah, they're tough times. We're going to go through tough times. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Because I have overcome the world. Amen? So when the going gets tough, the tough get going. That's what we do in the kingdom of God. We are partakers of everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So therefore, we have increased our giving from that amount to a lot more. And my daughter is the only one that could testify to this because I tell her, put this in there, put this in there, put this in there from us. And we that's how we do it. And so... All of what we give comes right to this ministry. We come right to here, even though we're not even here, right? We haven't been here, but this is our heart because we know this is gospel, and we know this is what God is doing. So, so I want to encourage you, break out that wallet, put that money in there. Don't be ashamed of it. Do not be fearful of it. And I'm going to talk to you about some things I believe God is speaking right now this day, okay? Are you all here? All right, now having said that, I just put the depression all over you, so now we'll, we'll, we'll lift that depression off of you right now in Jesus' name. But seriously, folks, I just want to share with you something that I think that God, no question, gave me. We always want a year-end word as pastors. We're looking for something. God, what are you doing? What are you saying? And I've done that for 40 years, just looking for something for God to say for the new year. And we've always done that. But uh, I'm not pastoring the church. My daughter's pastoring the church. And I know she brings to you everything you need to hear from the Spirit. And, uh, but I want to add and enhance to that as if I can today. But uh, there's no question in my mind that God spoke this to my heart. So I want to share it with you that little, uh, I- I'm a numbers guy. I like numbers. I woke up, last time I was here, I think I preached what God gave me at 11. 11. I preached that here for the first time. I preached it in my son's church after that and the, the It just, people received it very well. But numbers to me are very, very important. They are prophetic. God uses numbers prophetically to speak to his church. And so I was thinking, God, what are we going to do? And now you're going to see it all over the internet. I saw it after, after the Lord spoke this to me, I'm telling you, I saw it all over the internet. Today, too, I was looking on the internet. Oh, wow, there it is. Everybody's catching it. But we are, and you, I'm sure many of you have. But we are now, right now, today, 12, 31, 23. And if you look at that, it's 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3. So we have two 1, 2, 3s. And immediately, about several days ago, I think I mentioned it to, to Pastor Barb. I said, God gave me this number, and it's kind of strange, but I feel it. And as I'm sharing it, he dropped two scriptures in my spirit. I mean, just like that in my spirit. So I get home, and I think, I'm going to go through this and see what he has to say. So what God dropped in my heart, and I'm going to break them down for you, what I believe are words from the Lord. They're not from me, because if they're from me, they'll have no meaning, they'll have no anointing, there'll be nothing on them, but if they're from God, there'll be something that he will kiss, and he will make it alive. And when he makes it alive, it becomes a revelation, and a revelation becomes the blessing of the Lord. So I want you to hear this very carefully. One, two, three, one, two, three. So the Lord gave me Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. That's Romans 1, 2, 3, 12 and 3. Now, you'll see it on your screen, and I want to read it for you, and you can read it with me. And here's what it says. It's a powerful verse that we all probably know. But it says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to every man and woman that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, that scripture just jumps out at me as I read it. Now, I've read it, I've taught it, I've preached it hundreds of times, I'm sure, over the years. But when it jumped, when the Spirit of God gives you something, and it jumps off the pages. There are, there are things in there 
that are become truths at that specific moment. So what jumped at me was that you are not to think of yourself. I want you to stop with that phrase. Think of yourself. We are living today in, a, in the church in this hour, the most self-centered, the most ridiculous, crazy. Uh, the churches that are packed to the gills are those that said, you are so wonderful. You have got it made. You are blessed of the Lord. You are highly favored. You are this and you are that. And God told me to tell this church and every church that will hear this is that you are to stop thinking about yourself. Do not think of yourself. Doesn't matter what we're going through. Stop thinking about yourself. Because today, if we do not stop thinking about ourselves, then we are putting the Holy Spirit behind us. And we're not allowing him, who is the builder of the church, who is the blesser of the church, who is the giver in the church. We need him more than ever today in this hour. Somebody say amen. So here we are, not to think of ourselves. Paul is saying, don't think of yourself. Don't think of yourself. But you are to think. A lot of Christians are not thinking. If you're not thinking about yourself, you're not thinking. That's the world we live in. It's all about me. It's all about what I can get. It's about how I can be blessed and how I can get something from God when God's already given you every single thing you'll ever need. And I'm going to show you how to get it in a minute, but watch this very carefully. So he said, don't think of yourself, but you are to think. What are you to think? You are to think soberly. You ought to think soberly. That doesn't mean I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off, get off the booze, get off the whatever, the hooch or whatever you call it. I'm going to get off of that, and I'm going to be sober. That's not what it's talking about. It's to think soberly. It goes along with the same word as righteously, to think soberly, to begin to think on the things that God wants you to think on that will bring you out of your situation a lot quicker than thinking about yourself. Because most of us, when we get into problems, we say, oh, woe is me. And then you want to call somebody who really cares. And they're, I'll be honest with you straight up, even the best pastor in the world, they don't care. Let me go on this side of the church over here. People don't care about your problems. They don't. Oh, they, oh, okay, yeah, and the whole time looking at their watch. You know. They don't care about your problems. The only one that cares about your problem is the one who solved your problem on the cross of Calvary. So when you begin to think about yourself, you're not thinking soberly. And what does that mean? According to what? As God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Are you with me so far? Now watch, okay? Now, after reading that to my, I'm getting so happy at my desk, I'm like, oh my God. I preached a lot better to me than I am to you right now, I promise. <laughs> I got so excited, I mean, ah. I even amened myself. I even high-fived myself. I'm applauding myself. All right, now watch. So God says, that's Romans 12, 3, 1, 2, 3. Then he says, go read verses 1 and 2. Now let's read verses 1 and 2, shall we? Verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brothers. Who's he talking to? He's talking to you, brothers in the kingdom. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, watch, present your body. Oh, no, Lord, it's all about me. Are you hearing me? Present your body. This is going to be painful, painful for about 30 seconds to any of you who are messing around with your body and doing something it shouldn't be doing. Oh, I wish. Preachers don't like this part, but we got to do it. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies... A living sacrifice is holy, acceptable unto God, 
which is your reasonable service. So God is saying, look, I read the verse three, then he jumped me up there and he started to blow my mind a little bit. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm starting to see this. This is really, really something from you. So we are to, we're brothers, right? We're brothers, we're sisters. We are to present our bodies, present our bodies, present our bodies. You're going to be presenting your body tomorrow on a fast. That's presenting your body. If you're involved in sexual things outside of a, the marriage, but isn't that, isn't that odd to even preach something like that? Day? But outside of the marriage, confines of marriage, you're presenting your body the other way. You got to present your body to who? To God who gave it and is holy and it's acceptable unto God. Now watch very carefully, guys. This is very important. This is very, very important. Because it's a reasonable service. God's asking you to do something that's reasonable. This is not irrational. Holy Spirit isn't a prude where he says, do this because I'm holy and you're not, and I want you to obey what I tell you to obey. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, I'm going to anoint you in such a way that you're going to desire to present your body unto me. And I will present it to the Father through the blood of Jesus. And when the Father sees it, he's going to look at your body and say, I'm going to do whatever you want in your body, whether it needs to be healed, blessed, whatever it needs to be. God's going to bless your body. How many want your body blessed? The older I get, the more I need my body blessed. I do. I I mean, to help my wife up, I almost asked Pastor Paul to come and help me up. It's only three stairs. I'm, I'm playing with you. But you understand, because it takes on the toll, and you need your body blessed. How do you get your body blessed? By being a living sacrifice and presenting it unto God, and let it be holy and acceptable unto God, which is reasonable. It's reasonable for God to ask that and command that. He requires that. Why do we fight with that? Now, I'm giving you a word. This is not a teaching. I'm giving you a word from heaven today. One, two, three. One, two, three. I love that. All right. Now, watch very carefully. So he beseeches us to do that. Now, the second verse, watch this. And be not. Say, be not. So do this, but be not this. Be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The will of God is not either good or acceptable or perfect. It is all three. It is good, is acceptable, and is perfect. When you try to be into the good will of God. Well, I heard a preacher say this many, many years ago. Well, there's three wills of God. There's a good one, and then there's an you know, acceptable one, and there's a perfect one. If you're in a good one, well, you know, if you're in an acceptable one, God's going to accept some of your stuff, but not all your stuff. But over here, it's the perfect will of God, and we all should strive from go, to, go from one to three. No, they're all one. It's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect, and beyond that, it's reasonable. It's reasonable for God to tell you to do that. Romans 12, 3, Romans 12, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3 is twice. So you see that? This is amazing. Only the Holy Spirit arranges this stuff, all right? So Romans 12, 3. Now, God is not calling you, according to that verse, not calling us, you and I, to conform. He's calling us to transform. And this is what is wrong with the church right now in many, many cases, is the church is conforming to what the world is dictating. The church, I've been doing this a long time, long, 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 long time. And I'm telling you, the church is weaker now than I've ever seen it. There's not a sign. There's not a miracle. There's not a wonder. Man, we used to, at Ed Fowler, we used to have charismatic class. We had miracles, and we were just a bunch of old rednecks in there just having a good old time, worshiping, praising the Lord. Is anybody in the house today? We had the audacity to call upon God. We said, come forward. We're going to pray for you. I had a young lady comes up there one time, and she's a young black lady. She comes up. She says, I've got lumps all over our, our breasts. Can we pray? Yes, 
We can pray. Not only that, God will do this thing. That's the kind of faith we soared in because we presented our bodies. We presented our life. We didn't hold anything back. We presented our finances. We gave it all to Jesus. And that's when you open the heavens to see the good, the perfect, accepted will of God. Now watch. So she's there for prayer. I'm not going to lay hands on her. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to do that. Honey, come here. Lay hands on her. Laid hands on her. And right under the hands and the prayer, they just melted. She screams. They take her back to the, to the uh, bathroom, check her out. Lumps are all gone. She had several of them. Lumps are all gone. Those are just automatic, just, just things in the kingdom that should be just customary and ordinary and good and acceptable and perfect because that's what God demands. But what does God really demand? Your body. He wants your body. Somebody shout, he wants my body. Somebody shout, I don't know why. But he wants your body. Because there's something about us submitting to the will of God that brings about the presence of God in a way that we've never known before. He's not calling you to conform. He's calling you to transform. In fact, I looked that word up. Conformation means this, the act or state of being conformed, the systematic arrangement of the parts of a thing, which means simply that this world that we're living in right now is the worst I've ever seen in all of my years of living. It is horrible today. And I came out of the 60s, and it's bad today, really bad today, horrible. Light is dark. Dark is light. Good is evil. Evil is good. We don't even know what's going on. The church, you're in, you're out, you're up, you're down. You're serving Jesus, you're serving the world. You come to church, you don't come to church. You give, you don't give. I mean, it's a confusion that is like I've never seen before. And it's ridiculous that this church even have one empty seat on any given time because we are the kingdom of the living God. And we ought to have this incredible anointing about us that draws people in so strong. But we don't because the church is sick and needs to be healed in order for God to touch it and touch the world. Now, so conformation, not confirmation, conformation. We're not called to conform. So we're being neatly arranged as part of a thing. Whatever this Satan is doing in darkness in this world today, all over this world, whatever he's doing today, he's conforming us to become part of a thing. We don't mind you going to church. You're part of our thing. We don't mind you preaching just be part of our thing. We don't mind you giving, be part of our thing. And that's exactly what the world is dictating to the church when the church ought to be dictating to the world what's going on. Am I right? All right. Now, transformed, transformation. I've done this many times over the years, but the word is metamorphosis. Look it up. It's metamorphosis. What does that mean? It means to change into something other than what you are. You are never, hear me, never to stay who you are, where you are, what you are. You're transforming. If I'm the same today as I was February 2nd, 1975, when I got gloriously born again, if I'm the same today as I was then, then I have not. Watch, I have not, I have not transformed, I really conformed. Whatever the church told me to do in those days, if I continue to do it, that's why you got you to get into a church like this one that preaches the living word of God, that brings a fresh revelation of God. We call it a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not the, it's, it's a new word from the old word. Never changes, but it's new, it's fresh. Like what I'm sharing right now, it's becoming fresh. You hear it. It's fresh again. Transformed by the power of God. Transformation. I'm changing from something that I was into something that I'm not, but I will be if I continue transforming. That's what the Bible's saying. Read verse 3 again. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. Are you with me? Faith. Faith. I'll talk about that in a minute. Now watch. Go to the second scripture God gave me. 
Isaiah 12, verse 3. One, two, three. Now watch. Therefore, with joy. Somebody say joy. joy. Some of you need some joy. Hey, listen, if I was an unbeliever, I wouldn't want to be around a lot of Christians. Not because you're sinful and do stupid things. No. I'd feel comfortable around that if I was a sinner. But what drives me sane is somebody that says they have Jesus. It ain't happening. It's like, you know Jesus? I don't need Jesus. I got, I got enough sorrow. I don't need Jesus. I don't need to look like I'm, you know, sucking marbles out of a gopher hole. I don't, I don't need to be doing that. I need to have some joy. Somebody shout joy. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water from the wells of salvation. Now, when I read that, I thought, how does that tie? Well, one, two, three, but how does that tie? Joy, wells of salvation. And it just like it clicked in me. These are wells, not a well of salvation. These are wells. Wells. God has so much more than me coming forward in a church and saying, I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Lord, come into my heart and live. By the way, none of that's in the Bible that way. It's there in spirit, but it's not that way. But we ask Jesus to come into our heart and live, and then we're totally transformed. No. No, we're still conformed. We have to be transformed out of that. It takes, it takes some time. So here you are. Now watch, because I read this, I thought, that's it, wells. So I looked this up. Now watch. It means a fountain, a fountain. It refers to an underground source of water coming up to the surface. This is so good. It's a carrier of God's salvation and a source of joy and gladness. How do, when, when you want to be, I don't want to be happy. I've been happy. It comes and go. I want to be joyful. Joyful. No matter what I'm going through, I have joy. Joy is incredible. This is what the Spirit of God has been saying to me about joy. It's very, very important. So when I need the joy of the Lord, when I need the gladness of the Lord, I've got to find the wells of salvation I can draw from. Now, this describes a spring, and this is literally in the Bible. I looked it all up. You can do it too. It describes a spring that will flow from the house of God to the heirs of salvation. That's what that literally means. Think about that. So there's something from God that he wants to get to the church. And how does he get it to the church? He gets it to the church through the joy of the Lord. I, made, I put a, something on Facebook the other day that hardly anybody looks at, but that's all right. I don't care. If you look at it, you could say, I like it. Don't just pass it by. I don't. But anyway. But I put it out there. If you want joy, in fact, to me, to me, the most important aspect of church today is joy. We shouldn't come here just to say, oh, yeah, that was hot. Oh, Pastor Barb killed it today. And there's nothing wrong with any of this or songs and worship and fellowship and loving each other. All that's church. It's good stuff. But the bottom line is if we don't have joy when we get here and joy when we leave here, then we're not drawn from the wells. The wells. Not one but a whole bunch of wells. God's got wells everywhere just filled with his salvation. And what is his salvation? We've heard, all heard it in the faith movement. The sozo, the Greek word sozo, delivered, set free, healed, forgiven, made whole, preserved from danger, loss, or destruction, nothing missing, nothing broken. That's the salvation of the Lord. And they come from wells, and they come from springing up from the revelation of God into our hearts, the wells of salvation. Now, that's very important to understand because they're wells. 
In fact, I looked up the scripture in Hebrews 2.3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? See, salvation, I say, well, my soul's saved. And I'm, whew, I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. I can't wait till I die. I'll be in heaven. You should be living. You should be living. You should be full of life. You should be full of anointing. You should walk into a church and you're so full of joy that people are fighting each other, tripping over each other, trying to get to you, saying, who is that person? Who is that individual? How come they smile the way they do? And I know what they're going through, but look at them. The joy of the Lord. There's something on them. It's not just the smile. It's, it's an aura. It's, it's the Holy Spirit aura all over them. And they kind of glow when they walk into a room. And you can sense, I want to be around that person. Have you ever wanted to be just, just drawn to someone? And you're drawn to them like, wow. I mean, what do you got? Who are you? What, what do you do? You know? And, all, and it, we're, we're drawn to that. It's joy. We're drawn to joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The wells of salvation are full of joy. The wells of salvation are full of healing and deliverance and help in time of trouble. See, God has given us many places to draw from, not just a salvation experience that we had 30-some-odd years ago or even last week because even last week you could backslide next week because you have not begun your conformation, but you've said, you know, you've been your confirmation, but you have not given, started your transformation, so therefore you're just locking into the old lifestyle and we say, we're so-and-so. They used to come here. Well, they're backslid. They're back in the world. How did you go back in the world after meeting the king of life? The king of glory. The joy of my salvation. The perfect, acceptable will of God. The good things of God. How can you taste of the heavenly things of God and say, I'm going to go back and get me some booze again? Are you kidding me? I was a drinker. I was a heavy drinker. I loved to drink. I loved to party. I loved to be, you know, whatever. We just, in the world, I just loved that. But the very moment I met Jesus Christ, all that ended. And I said, from now on, I'm going to transform into his image, into his likeness from glory to glory, from faith to faith. And when you begin that walk in him, you'll never go back to that again. And if you go back to that again, I question whether you ever had it or not. And that's the problem with the church today. We said, hey, just say this little prayer and you're going to be okay. Here's your ticket before you leave the altar. There you go. You're going to heaven. None of that could be true. You know why? It's not in the Bible. I'm guilty of doing that. I've, quote, unquote, prayed with thousands, thousands of people at the altar, especially in Beloit. We had a phenomenal church. And it was just filled with people we did productions, and they would come by the hundreds and hundreds every service, and they would pray a prayer, and I would look them in the face and say, listen to me, You're written, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I'd, be, I'd pump them, thinking, i got to get you full, because if I get you full right now, you'll come back again, and you'll be okay, and you'll grow, but they don't ever come back. Why? Because they never get the true joy of the Lord in their soul. God said, very important we start preaching the truth. Hallelujah. Wells. All right, I'm going to recap it, and I'm going to get on, okay? What time is it? I can't see the clock, so that's a good thing. Hallelujah. All right. Now watch. That's another thing wrong with church. What time is it? Okay. Got to wrap it up because we got to go to dinner. Got to wrap it up because sister so-and-so is going to get mad if you go past that time. I'm telling you right now. She won't come back again. We don't care about sister so-and-so. <laughs> if you ask the truth, nobody cares. <laughs> I'm sorry. We just don't care. Pre preachers don't care. We just want to hear ourselves. And if we don't get enough amens, we'll keep talking until we do. And at that peak, we say, okay, we finally arrived. You all dismissed. <laughs> See you next time. I'm playing with you. All right, now watch. Recap this. Number one, this is what the Lord told me to tell you. This is him. One, stop thinking about yourself. Think about that a while. Two, start walking in real faith. Oh, not the stuff you think you heard about. 
I'm talking about real faith. Can I just say this? I, uh, I should have asked you before I said this. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it because, no, I'm not going to do it. I say it, I say it. <laughs> I told Pastor Barb before I come in here, I don't care if anybody likes it or not. I don't, I don't have to be here. Hallelujah. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding. But seriously. We don't know what real faith is. We've all bought the books. I lived out of them in my early days in the Lord. I've lived out of them. I've heard them all, preached most of it. But we don't understand what real faith is. I don't think we do. Because if we did, we'd have, as I said before, no sickness, no disease, nothing broken, nothing missing, fully delivered, full of joy. You understand where the church is today and where it ought to be? We're going to go there. We're going there. I promise you we're going there because this is a brand new day. Pastor Paul prophesied today. I believe that word is from the Lord. And I believe everything, I don't know about God's time and way he does these things, but he is a very structured God, and he does things in seasons. And I believe right now we're stepping into a whole new season. I believe that. I believe 2024 is going to be the most spectacular time in the church and the most challenging time in the church. Because nothing comes easy, but it all comes by faith. Because if I don't have it, I can't please the Father. Now, if faith is that important that I can't please him without it, then I better find out what it is. I preached a sermon right here, I think, many, I don't know how long ago it was. But that when he comes back, will he really find faith on the earth? What's he looking for when he returns? See, we're so busy looking for the return, we forget about living while we're here and subduing we're can't, I, well, I didn't, anyway, you understand that we're in a time right now that we need to get into faith. Not, I'm not talking about a mimic faith, a parrot faith. I'm not talking about, you know, one of the greats of the past days said saucer faith. I, I'm talking about faith that moves mountains, faith that Jesus talked about. When he said things that were so crazy, so irrational to our minds when he said, do you see that mountain? Hey, disciples, I'm teaching you something. Wake up. Do you see that mountain? You want to move that mountain? Then speak to it. Tell it to leave there and go over there, and it will obey you. Where's that? Where is that? What is going on in the church? I'm guilty too. We're all like, oh, well, I don't know. What do we do? I mean, light's dark and dark's light and evil is good and good is evil. And oh my gosh, the devil's controlling and oh, the stock market and oh, the economy and oh, the interest rates and oh, this and oh, that. And oh, you know what you can do? Stay off the internet, number one. I'll tell you you're going to be so confused, you don't know which day up. Unless you listen to me, then you'll be okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, listen very carefully. Because we need faith. Unlike anything we've ever seen before. Let me go back to this again. He says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, this is Paul speaking, to every man and woman that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according to as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. You got it. You got to transform into it. Because if you conform to the world, you won't speak faith. You'll speak what the world's speaking. Stop thinking about yourself. Start walking in real faith. 
Transform, don't conform. Number four, start walking in the joy of your salvation. What is your salvation? I just told you all those things. Not that I prayed a prayer. I prayed a prayer February 2nd, 1975. I know where I prayed it. I know when Jesus came into my heart. I know exactly the moment, the exact spot. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. When I'm in Rockford, Illinois, I always go drive by there, little Baptist church. I drive by this. That's where I met Jesus. That's where I met Jesus. I know that. But meeting him is not as important as continuing and transforming into something that is more dangerous to the devil than me just getting saved. He doesn't care if 500 people get saved here today. He does not care if a 1,000 people today say the sinner's prayer. He does not care. He will never bother you, but he'll bother the daylights out of you if you begin to walk in this kind of authority, walk in this kind of power. And that's what the Word prophesied. That was the Word. So he was prophesying the word that I'm going to bring today. It's amazing to me how God did that, all right? That's the introduction. <laughs> Swear to God. My hand to the Lord. <laughs> yeah. But I appreciate you coming because this, this is what God dropped in my spirit. That we're living in an hour unlike anything we've ever experienced on planet Earth. Never been a time like this. Knowledge is increasing. You, can't, you, you see that? It's just increasing. Things are getting, it seems like, faster and faster and faster. And the church is getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And why are we getting weaker? Look at this place. I mean, you got the Word of God in this house. Man, where are you? Where are you? Not you, but, you know. But how you, I put this out, and I've, I've lived this, this principle all of my life. How you leave a situation is how you enter the next situation. It's just the truth. You can't, you, you can't take, you could take this with you only if you walk in faith, but you can't take it with you otherwise. We're going into a new season. Great time to be alive. I don't know about you, but, you know, I've, so appreciate the communion you guys take every service up here. I think that's phenomenal. We've always done that. It's a wonderful thing. I love it. But even more importantly, if you did it yourself, every day I go to my desk and I sit behind my desk. I don't care how I feel. Sometimes you don't feel spiritual. Sometimes you don't feel like, I just love Jesus. Glory to God. Sometimes it's like, oh, I got to do this again. I am transforming. So I sit down with my little cup. I got the cup with the, you know, and I just sit there and I just said, Jesus, I'm reminding you, like you said, this is your body given for me. I partake of your flesh. Jesus, this is your blood given to me for me. If I was the only one, you'd have given it for me. And I would take it and I'd have communion with him. I put on my music, which it's a whole lot different than probably the rest of you listen to. It's oldies but goodies. I'm not talking the 50s or 60s. I'm talking, I'm talking about old gospel stuff I like. When to me it meant something. To sing about his amazing grace. How sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but I'm not anymore. I was blind. But now I see. You see, you younger generation need to listen to the older generation. Because we'll get you into touch with the Holy Spirit, who is the only one who's able to take you from where you are to where you need to be. Paul prophesied that a moment ago. Take you from where you are to the place you need to be. Because he's the only one that sees you where you are in your future. You don't see yourself there. He sees you there. My whole life's goal has been, okay, God, where do you see me? Because that's where I want to go. That's where I want to be. And he's been so blessing to my wife and I. Even through the difficult seasons, he's always there. Always blessing. The joy of the Lord 
is my strength. One, two, three. One, two, three. That's the season we're in. Would you all stand, please? I'm going to say this to you because you may be here and you've really never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you never have. Count the cost. Count the cost. You're not going to get a ticket into heaven that you'll show at the pearly gates and say, see, you're going to go because you know him. And even more importantly, he'll know you. That's what he's looking for. So if you want to pray, you can do that right where you're at. But don't make it a, you know, a prayer that, oh, he said, if I'd pray, I'd be saved. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you want to get saved, you've got to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And it's not hard to do. It's so easy that we want to do something else to get it. That's called works and religion. We don't do it that way. You say, Lord Jesus, I know. I know me. I know who I am. I can't fool you. I can fool other people, but not you. I just ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me of all my sin, to wash it away, the only thing that works, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And I know your mercy and your grace will come upon me, and I will be saved. And I will walk in your anointing. Fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Give me that evidence of speaking in other tongues. Let the power of God fall upon me. I desire that more than anything else. I'm drawing from the wells of salvation. I'm drawing from the joy of the Lord. And I thank you, God, right now. Everything that's within me, all that I know how to do, I give it all to you. And because of that, you will not, you will always honor me. Because your word says so. Thank you for it. That's how it is. That's how easy it is. But it's got to be you and him. Not me, you and him. You and him.